incredible time. Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Acts chapter 1. We're con- uh, continuing in our series called Real Revival. And I have to tell you today, as we, uh, um, we kind of continue in this series, of course God is moving. But one of the things that we have to understand about real revival is that there is real transformation that happens in us when God starts to move. Has anybody in here ever been a part of a move of God before? You're like, uh, some of you are like, well, I thought I was in one. Well, you are, uh, but, but have you been in one where God changes the city? Have you been in one where God begins to move by his spirits? And it's undeniable. I would say this to you as a very, uh, as a very young man, In 1993, I got to be a part of God touching a city and a region where people traveled from the nations to be at the church that I was a part of, to be a part of a move of God. I have been in meetings where, I'm telling you, an unfinished balcony where no one was allowed to be. Angels showed up and began to sing from that balcony. I'm telling you, I've been in meetings that would make your, your, your hair stand on end, and everything was affected from the way that the police were t- trained in revival. Firemen were trained in revival. When God comes and begins to move in power, the community takes note. But listen to me. You can't fake revival, Especially not around young people, which it seems to be that this current move is coming through the young. Man, young people, man, they will sniff out a fraud. Oh yeah, that one's fake. They're carrying a message, but something doesn't smell right. And, And I love that about a young generation because it ought to spur us on to say, God, I want to... Be something, not just say something. I don't want to attend a revival. I want to live revived. I want to live full of your life and full of your spirit. I want to be, I want my heart to beat with yours, Lord. So if there is a if there is an end goal, a target for this time that of the things that we've been sharing, it would be this. I just want you to tell the truth. I want you to tell the truth. I feel like the church has been lying to our community. Here's why. We've been saying to community and culture, we're just like you. See, we're not that much different than you. Are you out of your minds? No, we died, and the life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God. He has saved us. I've been born again. I've got news for you. I used to be something way different than I am today. Come on, can I get a witness in here this morning in this quiet Presbyterian church? I'll tell you what, I'm not who I used to be. We got to start, we got to stop lying to our community, saying we're just like you. See, we're not that much different. No, we're completely different. 
We're a whole new man, a whole new woman. The old is gone and the new has come. I've been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm washed, I'm clean, I'm righteous in His sight, and I'm filled with His Spirit, and there's a power flowing through me. If I get my hands on you, something is likely to miraculously happen. That's different. Stop lying, church. We got to stop lying. We're not the same. We are, as the scripture says, a peculiar people. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them you're peculiar. You've been wanting to say it anyway. You've been wanting to say it anyway. We're a peculiar people, unusual. Why? Because Christ is alive in us. There has been something, there is something of the supernatural that has now taken up residence. And today, I, I want to, uh, you know, as we kind of continue in this, I want you to be a real witness. We talked about real fishermen. We've talked about real influencers. Now I want you to understand what real witnesses, witnesses are. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, says this. This is after the resurrection, right before the ascension. Some of the most important words that Jesus ever uttered to his disciples. It says, and, begin, and, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or, or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Notice here he says, you shall be when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen to me, church. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he doesn't come to get you to do something he has come to make you something. Notice the scripture. It says, you shall be witnesses, not you shall do witnessing. I'm going to let that sink in. I, I know those, those gears tend to grind this early in the morning, okay? I'm going to get you thinking about this. He says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there will be such a radical transformation from who you were, and who is he looking into the eyes of? Peter, the guy who with an oath had walked with Jesus for years and there, the night he was betrayed, with an oath, Peter denied Christ. He said, I swear I don't know him. How does God take a, a denier and make him the primary voice on the day of Pentecost? Here is how. 
The Spirit of God comes on him, and it radically transforms who he is. Listen, uh, listen, I, 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 there's hope for every one of us who said, man, I can't do this stuff that I see listed in the book of Acts. I can't do this stuff that I see all throughout the New Testament. I can't do that. Hallelujah! You've finally gotten a revelation. You can't! But you can die. And you can say, okay, God, here I am. Come and fill me so you make me something I am not today. I don't want to do witnessing. I want to be a witness. Now, since I'm using this, uh, uh, this terminology of witness, I'm going to speak to all of you today as witnesses. You're all going to be witnesses. And so the instruction that I give to you today is to presume you already have the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to be so presumptuous to think that everybody in this room has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you're born again, you are a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of this service, you should come and receive prayer. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with that beautiful prayer language, it's the gateway to the supernatural. That's not this message. But I promise you, if you want to become something you are not, there is no substitute for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There is no substitute, no amount of Bible study that you could do, no amount of, of service that you could, you could go and participate in. There is no substitute for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I would say if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you should, should come and receive prayer from the altar team. They'll lay hands on you, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, so I'm going to speak to you today, presuming that's the truth, or it will be in your near, near future. So let me give you your first instruct, instruction. Witnesses, be accurate. When you are, are, are a part of the kingdom of God, that's why I said, I don't want anybody pretending that you're the same. I want you to be accurate. Now, a witness by the way, you can follow along on the Bible app. All the notes, or a lot of the notes are there, and you can make notes of your own if you're following along on your phone, or you can just jot these down. A witness is someone who has seen or heard something and communicates their experience accurately. A witness is someone who has seen or heard something and communicates their experience accurately. You have to understand that in a court, eyewitness testimony is a big deal. Let's just pretend for a moment, you know, that, 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 that you were, you know, out uh, getting ice cream over at the Twisty Tree over in Crystal River, and you're just out, out with your ice cream there, and all of a sudden, you see a vehicle come to a complete stop in the regular flow of traffic for no reason, and another vehicle Flow, it just runs right into it. And you, of course, you go over and you say, hey, uh, is everybody okay? You're checking. Well, eventually, the police officers and those uh, first responders are going to come, and they're going to make sure that everything's good, but eventually, an officer is going to say, is there anybody here who saw what happened? Because probably, 
people who are in the middle of the problem are going to say opposite things. Unless it was you, and then you're going to tell the truth. I hope. But, you know, as a witness, you would say, oh, no, this, this, this car just stopped. No, they said they were going. They weren't going. It wasn't the other person's fault. This person just stopped in the regular flow of traffic. No reason at all. They weren't turning. They just stopped. And they, it didn't look like they had any good reason. And, and because of that, they caused this accident. I'm telling you, eyewitness testimony matters. You need to tell accurately what Jesus has done in your life. You need to actually understand that a witness reports what they have seen and heard. Everybody say seen and heard. Now, what I'm about to read to you is a chorus of scriptures connected to us being accurate. It's all about what you have seen and heard. This is, I, I'm just trying to get you to relate your own story of what you have personally seen and personally heard, what Jesus has done in your life. But I want to show you all the witnesses. Just These aren't all of them. These are just some of them. And notice how many times these witnesses simply re report what they have seen and heard. Uh, John the Baptist in John 3.31, speaking of Jesus, he said, he who comes from above is above all. He who, who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has, notice the words, seen and heard that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. That's the, that, so Jesus is a witness. Uh, how about the shepherds in Luke 2.20? It says, then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. John the Baptist's disciples were witnesses to John himself. It says, Jesus answered, Luke 7, 22, Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Let's go into the, the book of Acts. After Peter and John have healed the man at the gate, beautiful, they are persecuted, they are beaten for this, for this wonderful miracle. And the Sanhedrin says, we forbid you to speak in this name. And this was their response. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Glory to God. Saul, who would become the apostle Paul, was a witness. When telling, retelling his story of encounter with God and how God used Ananias to free him from blindness, this was what Ananias uttered over the Apostle Paul. He says, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now, there was a time when a movement started to rise, when it was kind of toward the end of John the Apostle's life, called Gnosticism, and there were these weird beliefs that started to kind of creep in 
to the early church, namely one called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was saying, hey, Jesus really didn't come in the flesh. He was, he was a spirit being. And these, these, these pseudo-gospels started to rise up. And so John writes this letter. And notice these words. Powerful. 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What is he saying? No, no, no. We're not going to give in to some false gospel. And by the way, there is tons of false gospel rising up in the last hour. Oh, oh yeah, Jesus isn't the only way. He is a way. That is completely nonsense. He is the only way. And we need people who will do what they did in the first century when these false teachings were arising, they were accurate. Why? Because they reported what they had seen and heard. They told their story. And in 1 John, we find out why they told their story. Why? So they could have fellowship. So that unbelievers could become believers, and then they could have fellowship together with, with one another. This is why Church of the Living God I just want you to be a truth teller. I think for far too long, we've just been silent. We've just been quiet. It's good that you know the truth, but the truth and its influence must be communicated, which, which leads us to our next point. Witnesses, be authentic. Be authentic. Be who God has created you to be. Don't try to model yourself, you know, after your favorite TV preacher. Matter of fact, don't even try to model yourself after your local pastor here, okay? Don't do that. I want you to be authentic. And I, I want you to see that witnesses, they're, they're, it's who you are. Let me say it to you another way. Witnesses don't argue. I hear the gears turning in your head. What do you mean? Witnesses don't argue. I'm going to tell you this. Not one person ever came to Jesus because believers argued. People come to Jesus when believers are witnesses. When they are witnesses. And let me just tell you, I know that, that, that there has been an idea in the church. Oh, well, I don't know if I'm ready to, to be that voice yet. 
I don't know, you know, I need to learn more about the Bible. I need to learn more. I, I, I need to, Ben, maybe, maybe once I, I, I do a, a New Testament survey or an Old Testament survey, or maybe once I, once I start getting a little more theology under my belt, once I understand the Pauline epistles, once I start, uh, I start to understand creation, or, or once I really understand the end of the age, and then, oh, well, maybe then I'll be a witness. No, 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 no. Let me say it to you in a plain way. You don't have to know what happened to the dinosaurs to be a witness. We're all like, oh man, what are their objections? I've got to have answers to all their objections. Tell your story. If you don't know what happened to the dinosaurs, then say, I have no idea what happened to the dinosaurs, but I know what happened to me. Stop arguing. Come on, if you need to tuck your feet in and Stop arguing politics. There go your toes. Believers. People who are outside of Christ don't need you arguing politics. They need you to be a living demonstration. I'm going to show you, arguing, you will experience it. It just shouldn't be coming from you. Look at Acts 8. Acts 6, rather. Acts 6. It says, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great signs, wonders and signs among the people. That's how we should be living. Opposition arose. So I know that some of you have thought, Oh, wow, man, if we get signs and wonders and miracles, more people will come to Christ. No, biblically, what happens is opposition arises, and listen to me, much of it arises from the religious. Oh, glory to God. I'm going to help you here. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, because they weren't really free, they were bound, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, listen, who began to argue with Stephen. So who's the arguers? Everybody who doesn't know Christ. They're the ones that are going to want to argue, but notice this. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. He wasn't arguing. Arguing is an expression of operating in your natural thinking. No. Instead of engaging in argument, why don't you follow the leading of the Spirit? Why don't you listen for a word from the Lord about the one who is arguing? What if you got a word of knowledge about the one who hates you because, you know, they think, you're taking our rights. You're a hater. You have phobias of all kinds. They're railing accusations against you. But the love of God wells up in you. And the Spirit of God wells up in you. And he says, hey, by the way, 
They, they have three slip discs in their back, and they live in pain. If you'll pray for them, I'll heal them. Well, glory to God. Glory to God. That's what's like, oh, I know you have all those arguments right now. That's not really important. The Lord just showed me you have back pain. Do you have back pain? And they're like, why are you talking about my back pain? How'd you know about my back pain? Have you been, have you, you, you been looking, looking me up on the internet? What's going on? How did you know about that? Well, I didn't know about that. God told me about that. And he said, if I would pray for you, you would be healed. How would you like to have no more pain in your back? How many of you know a demonstration of a risen Christ is way better than your argument? Now, by the way, I believe in you being able to defend the faith. I believe in that. But we don't know how to, we have lost this ability to talk to people that we disagree with. That we live differently then. So uh, there's an evangelist um, who was a, a part of writing all of those movies. They're like Christian Rocky movies. Like God's Not Dead, God's Not Dead 2, God's Not Dead 3. I don't know how many more God's Not Dead. It's probably as many as Rocky movies, okay? God's still not dead and he's coming again, you know? God is never going to die. You know, I don't know how many movies, but Dr. Rice Brooks was a part of, of, of being a part of those movies. And I know that many of you have probably seen those or read those books. But he, uh, he put together this really initial, this wonderful kind of analogy about how we can be authentically a witness. And it, and it connects to the word salt, which we talked about last week, about how we're to be uh, an influence for Christ. Now, I want you to just turn your attention to the screen, and you'll see salt. Well, first, if you're really going to be a salt, you're going to be authentic, you need to learn how to start a conversation. You got to learn how to start a conversation. Hey, you know, pick anything. Wow, you know, you're in a, a grocery store, you're, you're out anywhere, just start a conversation. Confront the culture that says it's weird to talk to people that you don't know. In the kingdom, that's all we do. you got to learn to start a conversation. Hey, I love those shoes. Hey, you know, man, this is place crazy. It's super busy. You know, just start a conversation. You mean you're pumping gas at a gas pump. Somebody's on the other pump. It might be painful for them to be filling their... You just, just lean over. Man, wouldn't it be great if... If gas were 50 cents a gallon, I mean, I, I bet no matter the political party background in life, they'd be like, yep, that'd be great. I, I, wouldn't it be even better if the gas was free? Yeah, that would be even better, except somebody would probably have to pay for it. Well, let me tell you something. The very fuel of life, the very thing that makes us go and live, it has been already paid for. And it's totally free. Start a conversation. And then, listen, this, this is so clear. Ask questions. Ask questions. Hey, where are you from? You from around here? By the way, good chance in our county, you're probably going to run into some people that just moved here. 
If you moved here in the last five years, just raise your hand. Anybody? Come on. Come on. Look around the room. Look around the room. All right. These are people who weren't here five years ago that, that are now connecting with the body of Christ. And they're just, I'm, I'm telling you, they're everywhere. Ask questions. And then L, listen. You need to listen. People who do witnessing don't listen. They don't listen. They're only thinking about the next thing they're going to say. They're not listening to the person. They ask the question, hey, what brought you here? Well, I moved down here because my mom was in failing health and, and uh, you know, and, and we, we really had a tough time. We had to leave everything that we knew, but we moved to Florida and, and we really wanted to be a support. Listen! Hear the, the struggle. Hear the pain. Hear the things that they're facing. Even hear the good things. Man, we moved here. We got a promotion, man. We were so glad to leave where we are. We're so glad to be here. Listen. Why? Because it'll give you an opportunity to tell the story. Start a conversation, ask questions, listen, and then what? Tell the story. What story? The story of the gospel or your testimony. Tell the story. I know why God brought you here. You do? Yeah, I know why God brought you here. God brought you here. Why? Because I, 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 he sent his only son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have uninterrupted relationship with him. So that we can know that our sins are forgiven and that heaven is, a, is our home. God loved us. We fell, but he came after us. He brought you here to communicate that message to you because he wants to bring you close. Have you ever been born again? Have you ever experienced God? Man, you tell the story of the gospel or you tell your story. Man, I've lived here my whole life. But when Jesus came in, it was like I was given a new life. Much like you, you came and you got a new life here. I got a new life here. Or maybe you moved here and you could tell your own story and your own journey about how God led you here. Come on, let's be salt. Here's what we normally do. Instead of being salt, we normally just talk. We talk. And talk stands for we just, we just talk, and then as soon as somebody says something we don't agree with, A, we argue, and then L, we get louder, and then K, we kick them to the curb like, oh, they're just going to hell. That's what we do. That's what the church has been doing. We haven't been salt. We've simply been talking, and we have... Uh, misunderstood what kind of influence and what kind of witness God wants us to be. Stop arguing politics and sinful lifestyles. If, if somebody doesn't know Christ and they say, man, I, 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 you know, I live with my girlfriend and man, did we party this weekend? We were so high and so drunk and they're just talking to you like you, like you share the same values. 
and you do this, you live with your girlfriend? <gasps> you were drunk? <gasps> Put on your little self-righteous robe? We've got to stop. Uh, I need to help some people here. Never be shocked that sinners sin. Let me say it to you in another way. Dogs bark. Cats meow. Hunters hunt. Golfers. No, they cheat. They cheat. All golfers cheat. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then what? Sinners sin. Hello. Why would you why would you bring that up when that's not the point? They're not empowered by God to live in victory over sin until Jesus becomes Lord of their life. Listen, their behavior is not the most important thing. What Jesus did for them is the most important message they need. That's the message they need. What Jesus did, what God did for us, that's the most important thing. And by the way, God is incredible at addressing things that stand in the way of love toward his children. He's wonderful at addressing sin issues. He's wonderful at it. I think it's a terrible strategy just to simply tell sinners they're sinning when they have no power to overcome it. Don't be shocked. Why don't you tell them the most important thing that Jesus wants to change your life? But you don't have to, you don't have to remain this way. And by the way, he'll give you the power to be this and never be again or power. Well. I would say, let me, let me finish today with this. Witnesses, be appealing. Be appealing. Uh, uh, let me say it to you another way. Being a witness is fun. I mean, when you live open to God doing anything, it's, it's absolutely it's fun. What in the world is God going to do right now? Many of you have heard those stories of me in, you know, in, in, in stores and in restaurants. I was just, I'll just tell you one from this weekend. I was minding my own business, worshiping Jesus. I'm in a service. I'm just worshiping Jesus. And before you know it, man, this guy walks up to me, and it's loud. I mean, I'm in the middle of worship. It's loud. This guy walked right up to me. I didn't know him. And he said, I don't know why, but I need you to pray for me. And I, I went like this, you know, when somebody starts talking to you right here and it's about 90 decibels, I was like, I don't know why, but I need you to pray for me. Then he told me, I'm a pastor. 
feels like the heavens are brass to me right now. I don't know what's going on. It's like, huh. How about this? I just laid hands on him, and God began to give me some of the most specific words. That pastor got radically set free. I mean radically set free. And can I tell you, I had no plan. I had no plan to be used that way. None. I was just available. God told me stuff about his church property that would blow your mind. About the specific stuff that no, I could have never known. Stuff in, in his marriage, stuff in his, in his ministry that was going on. I could have never known it. But God knew it. And he needed a witness to tell him God sees you, he knows you, he's not done with you, his hand's on your life, and he's got a plan for you. Witnessing is fun. Isaiah 12, 1, notice this. After, uh, Isaiah 11 is all about Jesus. Isaiah 12 is kind of like the response in worship to who Jesus is. It says this, and in that day, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. That's through repentance. And you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. He says, with joy, you draw water. From the wells of salvation. If you read the next couple of verses in Isaiah 12, then they actually begin to testify of how God has saved them. And I'm gonna just tell you stop being a cranky Christian. Stop it. Cranky Christians don't win anyone, it's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not. You know what it is? Love. Peace. And how about joy? You know what? What if you walked in such joy because of God's presence in your own life? You're drawing from the wells of salvation. You're drawing with what? Joy from the wells of salvation. And you say, you know what? I'm just going to give this unbeliever a little drink of what I got from the wells of salvation. I'm going to give them a little taste. I'm going to tell them my story. I don't care if they believe it. Lord, I don't care if it's just a seed I'm sowing. I'm going to, with joy, I'm drawing from the wells of salvation. Here's the problem. Most of the time witnessing, uh, you know, you, you, you've got the feeble need Christians going out. We have to talk to people today. Oh, no. Where do you see that in the Bible? Nowhere. They say, get your bucket of joy and draw from what God has done in your life. And then just start spilling it on people at work, spilling it on people at school, spilling it on your neighbors. By the way, if you don't know how to spill it on your neighbors yet after me saying it for two weeks in a row, here's the third week. BlessEveryHome.com Immediately go and sign up to be a light. We're not, this is not about money. There's no money behind this. This is a prayer mapping strategy where you live, listen, where you live, you've been sent there to be a light. How do you start? You start praying for your neighbors. If you'll go and sign up, you'll get your neighbors' names. By, you'll get them all populated to you, and day after day, you'll begin to pray for your neighbors. They're all around you. 
And when you start praying for them, it's amazing how God will open doors for you to be a witness. BlessEveryHome.com or the Bless Every Home app. Just download it, sign up, and do it. Acts 5, Acts 8 rather, verse 5. Notice what happens when, when witnesses, they're just authentically who they are. Acts 5, 8, it says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. I think this is a prophetic word to us here at Calvary. I believe God wants to make Citrus County a place of great joy. Why? Because God is moving not just through platform preachers, but through believers. Through believers. Now listen, today as you're leaving believers, I have invite cards to day one on Easter. Calvary. I want you to take these and I want you to I want you to give these away. You say, well, I only witness when I feel led, okay? All right, here's what I want you to do. All of you who say, I only witness when I feel led, immediately after this service, I want you to go to Walmart and go to the fishing section. You say, what, does this have something to do with us being real fishermen? No, I want you to go there and in the fishing section, I want you to buy some fishing weights. They are made out of lead. You put one in your pocket every day. And you reach in that pocket every day and you feel the lead and then give away invites to day one. So enough of this saying you don't need to feel lead. No, you need to feel lead in your pocket and do what God has told you to do. Listen. Jesus, I don't know if you're convinced as I am, Jesus really is changing lives. He is saving. He is healing. He is delivering. He is moving in power in this last hour, and we get to be a part of it. And just like Philip, by the way, he, he didn't go to Samaria because he wanted to. He was driven away by persecution, and everywhere he went, he went preaching. And as a result, Philip goes from the food pantry Becoming an evangelist. God uses them in power. Listen to me, church. Witnesses, be. Not do, be. Who the Holy Spirit wants us to be. I want you to bow your